and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Mark Miro. Now, Mark is a former wrestler, and back in WCW, he was Johnny B. Bad. We talk about who came up with that flamboyant character, how he got involved in wrestling, the very first bump he took, and he, WCW, he was a three-time world television champion. Then he moved over to WWE, brought his real-life wife, Rena, better known as Sable, with him, and then they became huge. Mark was a former Intercontinental Champion. Sable blew up and probably, I would say, matched Stone Cold's popularity during the Attitude Era. We talk about the ill-conceived Brawl for All tournament where wrestlers box. And you would think Mark would have a big advantage because Mark was a former boxer. He won the Golden Gloves tournament in New York. He was a football player, a hockey player. I mean, total athlete. We talk about that. We talk about just how his character in WWE really just didn't work. I mean, he became Wild Man Mark Miro, then Marvelous Mark Miro. But what he's doing now is more important than any match he won or title he won. It's called Champion of Choices. He started this about 15 years ago. He goes to school and he's a, a speaker, motivational speaker. He gives these amazing talks. They're on YouTube, the Mark Miro. And you can check out there's this one video in particular. It's a message about a mother's love. And he talks about how his mother passed away. If your eyes are dry after watching that, then you don't have a heart or a soul, really. It's very emotional. I had a really good chat with Mark. Really nice guy. He's also from Buffalo. So we had that little bit of a connection. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. No, it's great to meet you, and I'm glad to be on your show. Yeah, before we kind of like, you know, look at wrestling, I want to talk about what you're doing now, because I think that's more important than any wrestling match you've ever won, uh, Champion of Choices, which I've seen the videos on YouTube, and it's the Mother's Day, the Mother's uh, Message Love video, which I was crying after watching it. It, it was very emotional. Uh, just talk about how you started the organization and just... Um, just like your relationship with your mother. Well, you know, I mean, obviously my mom was my biggest supporter ever since I was a kid, you know, she just thought I could do no wrong, you know, and she was the mom that was screaming at all the, all the sporting events and, you know, always taking me or picking me up or whatever, you know, and she's just a great mom that many of us, I mean, we often take for granted the very things in life we should appreciate. And, um, never realized until later on in life. And that's the message I share about appreciation and compassion and empathy for people, and especially with what kids are going through today with the, you know, the bullying and depression, anxiety, the suicidal thoughts that a lot of these young people have today. And our, our organization champion choices really made a difference. This is our 15th year presenting wow. at schools all over the, all over the world. Actually, we even went to Russia and Guatemala to speak at schools and, uh, it's just been incredible. It's just snowballed in this amazing organization. Um, you know, up until the pandemic, we averaged 230 events a year. Wow. So we were going nonstop. And that was right after wrestling, <laughs> doing right. 250 cities a year. Yeah. So it's just uh, been an incredible, incredible journey. But um, I couldn't be happier in my own life right now. Um, there's no greater joy than helping another person. So this is, it's like finding my calling in life, you know, and not find it till later on in life. Uh, that's great. I was also going to ask you about the p pandemic because I know you, like you said, you know, 250 a year is kind of like uh, 
you know, wrestling, uh, going from city to city. So how did you adjust during the pandemic? Did you guys do, do anything virtually? Well, we, yeah, yeah. We, we did a lot of uh, virtual events, um, which, you know, obviously it's not the same as being right. there live. I mean, for me, I, I know we, we, we inspired a lot of kids through, you know, the virtual events, right. but not being able to see them or, you yeah. know, after the events, there's so many kids that are lined up to meet me and everyone has a story. Right. And many of the schools that we spoke at allowed the kids to stay after and talk with me, which was just beautiful, man. We, we had some of the best conversations and, um, uh, and I miss that virtually yeah. we couldn't obviously we can't right. you know, the mass the social distancing and mm-hmm. all that so it's very difficult even going back to school now we just started back a couple of weeks ago we were in connecticut uh two weeks ago in new york last week and again it's it's a little difficult because the kids all got masks on now and uh they're you know they they can't a lot of them can't come up to you and, and right. hang out with you and, and tell you their story you know it's and i miss that that's yeah. uh, that's yeah. part of the, the the organization i think we really made a difference in students' lives. And not to say that my presentation on stage isn't making a difference, but there's something about that one-on-one time that just a student never forgets. Right. Have you had any kids come up to you since the pandemic and say, I really struggled during it, you know, staying home for oh. a year? I mean, it's 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 hard on the kids. I have three of no, them. No, I gotta know. tell you, man, we got more letters during this pandemic than we've ever gotten. And you know, usually when I go to school, we get over a hundred letters just from the students that just saw it. You know, right. they want to write to you and tell you how much they were inspired or or maybe even changed or even saved their life. Yeah. But the pandemic has just brought out so much isolation and loneliness, depression, yeah. um, addiction. You know, um, social media addiction, you know, right. uh, spending, uh, um, you know, 8, 10, 12, 15 hours on TikTok or something, you know, it's just incredible how um, our, our our smartphone <laughs> has outsmarted us, you know, yeah. so I, I got to tell you, and, and, um, and, and, and I really try to get through to the kids in the sense that, you know, pursuing passion in life, going after goals and dreams that they may have, you know, when you spend so much of your time in one avenue of your life, whether it's social media, you know, YouTube, TikTok, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're taken away from those dreams and goals because you're not pursuing them. Yeah. Yeah. Have, obviously, since you started, I mean, social media has blown up. Um, have you adjusted to that? Have you like gone to social media to draw oh, the kids yeah. I mean, in? I'm, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know, I, I got them all, yeah. and, but, but I have them all because that's where the students are. Right. And that's where they, right. they reach out to you. Yeah. Um, I, I, right now I get most of my messages through Instagram, private messages through Instagram. And, um, but in, I mean, back in the day, it used to be Facebook, you right, know, you get all the letters and stuff through Facebook, but very seldom yeah. you get those anymore because right. kids have moved on to um, uh, Instagram and TikTok yeah. and some of the other um, avenues. Yeah. Now, kind of going on your career, I mean, I reached out to you saying I lived in Buffalo for a few years, worked in there. I know, you know, started, you know, you were born in Buffalo. Um, hockey players start like and you did so many other sports. Um, was there one sport that really was you, you were drawn to? You know, it's funny. You asked that. No, I mean, obviously hockey was my first love. I've been right. playing since I was 12 years old. And uh, but then when I got into football, that became my first love. And then when I got into boxing, that yeah. became my first love. And then uh, after boxing became professional wrestler. Right. So it was always in that moment, you know, you yeah. want to do so you were just so, I don't know, just so intrigued in doing well right. in that particular sport. How did, how did the wrestling come about? Um, well, after, you know, after boxing, I went through a really depressing time in my life, got involved right. in having the drugs 
And I watched 10 years of my life go by um, as a basically a drug addict. Right. And um, I had some friends over my apartment and one of my buddies was, he had the remote control. He's like flipping to the TV channels and he landed on professional wrestling. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa stop it there. Let me see right. this. And as we're watching wrestling on TV, man, I got to tell you, I got the, I don't know what you call it, the aha moment that, um, you know, where you just, I just looked at that TV and I always knew I was a good athlete. You right. know, and I go, hey guys, I can do that. Yeah. My buddies busted out laughing. They go, Mark, <laughs> look at the size of those guys. I think the road warriors were on or somebody. Right, right. They go, those guys will pick you up over their head and yeah. throw you right out of that ring. I said, no, man, I'm telling you, I can do that. And my other buddy goes, Mark, you're 30 years old. What do you do? Start a pro career now? Right. And I said two words I share every presentation. Those two words are, I believe. No, you have no idea the power you give yourself when you believe in you. And believing that I could do this, I had to find out now it's about taking action towards a goal or a dream. And the goal was wanting to be a professional wrestler. How do I do that? I don't know how to get into this. (laughs) And I was living in Venice, Florida. And there was a wrestling school in Tampa that I found out about. The Malinkos pro wrestling, okay. Boris right. Malinko, his sons were Dean and Joe, yep. famous, yep. Um, unbelievable wrestlers. Um, so I would drive there. It was about 60 miles. I would drive there after work on weekends. And um, one year later, at 31 years old, I signed my first contract as Johnny B. Bad in WCW. Right. Wow. Amazing well, journey. Amazing. Yeah. What was your first bump like at, at the school? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny you ask that. Um, okay. So when I first got to wrestling school, they, they do st- something like this. And then they, they have you cross your arms and just right. fall backwards, you know, I, th- I didn't think nothing of it. I, okay, I fall backwards and land on my back. Yeah. I tell you just the way I hit that day. It was like, I sound like a seal from SeaWorld. <laughs> I, <was> going, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't catch my breath, you know, right, yeah. not knowing how to land properly or anything. Yeah. And, and, uh, but you know, M- Malenko, Boris Malenko, their, their dad, Dean and Joe's dad was amazing coach. And, and he really took a liking to me. I mean, it's like a liking to everybody, but I mean, you felt that connection with him, right. you know? Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I just felt I can do this, you know? And then, so then I found out that there, that if you drive to Atlanta, Georgia, you have a chance of getting picked as being one of the guys that gets beat up on television, right. you know, enhancement guy, right. the jobber, you know? Yeah. And so I would drive down there. I met a couple guys in the gym who actually do that. Um, uh, uh, Robbie Idol and Rick Ryder were a couple guys okay. I met. Bob Cook, a couple guys I met that told me about you know going down to center stage in Atlanta. So you drive the eight or eight or nine hours, whatever it was, from Venice, and you hope you get picked. And my first time, they actually chose me right. as a tag team with another guy against Doom. Ron okay. Simmons and Bush Reader were the right. world tag team champions. Yeah. My first match, I'm in a tag team championship yeah. match. They squashed us. I mean, they, they, I, when people say, isn't wrestling fake? I said, yeah. not when you wrestle them. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it was just brutal. But anyways, long story short, yeah. um, after the wrestling match, Dusty Rhodes said he wanted to see me. Now, I kind of screwed up some spots in the match, so I thought, oh, I'll probably never get invited back to this, right. you know. And when and as soon as I saw Dusty, I started apologizing. I go, hey, listen, I'm sorry about the finish. And he goes, oh, I don't care about that. He goes, kid, anybody ever tell you you look like Little Richard? And I go, Little Richard? And I, I didn't know. I thought he was talking about a wrestler named right. Little Richard. So I go, I never heard of Little Richard. He goes, 
you know the singer? You know, I go, oh, the singer, Little Richard. I go, I never heard that before. He goes, I think I got a gimmick for you. Are you kidding me? You know, my first time there, Dusty Rhodes sees this character, Johnny right. B. Bad, you know? And my whole life changed, you know? I mean, obviously, he signed me to my first contract, and uh, I spent six years at WCW, then four years over at WWE, then on to TNA and XWF and a couple others. And just, you know, it was a total of about 14 years of wrestling, you know? It was just an amazing amazing uh experience in my life that um i'm so blessed that i was able to do that and took that chance you know you know the zig ziglar once said um it's better to fail and try than try to fail i mean it's better to try and fail right fail to try yeah i mean because failure is the greatest teacher you know you you learn so much from you know not being able to do something and but now like Johnny B. Bad character. Did you like have to be convinced, or you were just so happy that you had the contract? I'll do anything. <laughs> you know, I, I can sell this. I'll make it work. You know something? I was making twenty three thousand dollars a year digging swimming pools. Okay? okay, and someone offers you a contract that's going to be worth around six figures. You know, you're we'll like, do where do I sign? You know, right, exactly. What do I got to do? Yeah. You know? And uh, it was kind of funny because when Dusty Rhodes told me about the character, and then. And I got to tell you, Noah, and I've said this before on some podcasts that my greatest experience as a professional wrestler was the opportunity to work one-on-one with Dusty Rhodes. Right. With him teaching me how to become Johnny B. Bad. Yeah. We had more laughs. Like we had those laughs where you just hug each other and you just can't stop laughing. You know, Um, he'd say, now do it like this. I want you to walk up the microphone and say, I'm so pretty. I should have born a little gal (laughs) like that. And I'd go for (laughs) it. All right, Dust, um, I'm so pretty. I should have been born a little girl. He goes, no, 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 no. You got to do it like this. And yeah. and then he'd do it again, you know? And then he'd say, oh, say, now say, oh, hush. You know, right. I'm so pretty. So that's how all the mannerisms yeah. and I got them from working with uh, the dream, the, the best, right. most flamboyant wrestler of all time. You yeah, know? absolutely. You know, he was, he was an absolute legend. Now you're out He's there in front great, of, you know. Great human being. I mean, I think about where my life is now. Right. And, you know, all the, all the different paths I took and stuff. And I, what would it have been like if I never met Dusty Rhodes, yeah. you know, it's just incredible. And then the gift I have that I'm able to go out and make a difference in students' lives. Would that have ever happened if I didn't meet Dusty Rhodes? Right. You know? Yeah. Right. Well, I, I was going to ask this later, I'll ask you now, how much has wrestling pre- prepared you for this job you have now? Um, you know or what calling, I mean? I should say. <laughs> I made a joke one time when I first started, you know, it was like, when I first started, it was like, I was just trying to go out there and inspire kids and didn't, yeah. didn't really share my personal story from my right. heart. You know, I just go out there going, you know, the old saying, uh, here's drugs, here's your brain on drugs, you know, exactly. whatever, yeah. you know, in the frying pan, yeah. <laughs> but just silly stuff, you know, and kids were just not buying it. Man. And yeah. I thought, Man, it's easier to walk out in front of 80,000 people at the Alamo Dome than it is to walk out to, you know, 500 high school students, you know? But I eventually just thought, you know what? I'm just going to share my story, you know? And and all of a sudden, letters started pouring in, um, phone calls from other schools, and it just snowballed. And then I was doing schools in Atlanta, and and often when I come to Atlanta, I stay with my friend uh, Dale's page, DDP. So I'm staying at DDP's place and he, and you know, DDP is the DDPY, the yoga. Right. And uh, so they had, they do a lot of filming and stuff and putting together videos. So while I was at his house, he said, 
um, I always get a photo release and a video release at the schools that I present at. So he said, hey, Mark, do you mind if the guys come down and film you? And I said, yeah, why not? You know, yeah. so he, the, his film crew led by Steve Yu, who's just phenomenal at putting together movies and, and, and different uh, formats and stuff. Right. Anyways, he um, comes down and they film me at this school. And uh, I don't know, about a week later or so, he goes, D- Dale's calls me up. I'm, I'm back in Florida now. And he calls me, he goes, hey, bro, the guys put together this five minute video. Do you mind if we put it up on YouTube? I go, sure, go ahead. Yeah. And the thing just took off. I mean, he calls me like a day later, he goes, hey, bro, that thing's got 100,000 views. And I go, and I'm going, let me put it up on my YouTube channel, yeah. you know? So then I put it up too. Next thing you know, millions and millions of people have seen this video. And, uh, but, but more so than that was the first month that video was out, we got mm-hmm. 3000 booking requests. Wow. I mean, we hired actually people just to yeah. answer phones and schedule our, yeah. our, our presentations. And we were booked through the years, you know? So, right. you know, I just think about how things happen in life, you know, and, and it really always came down to surrounding yourself with other positive people. It's just yeah. there's a synergy and energy that's just incredible. And Dallas and I just really have a way of lifting each other up. And he's done so amazing. You know, we, we share stories about how we've helped mm-hmm. each other over the years. And, um, you know, when he was down and out, he came to me. And when I was going through things, I went to him. You know, we both have been come. And who'd ever think after wrestling, we both do something that we love. And there's no greater joy than helping another person. Right. Absolutely. And it's, you hear the famous story, how he helped Jake the Snake Roberts out. And it's, yeah, it's, it's there's, really there's, good. there's hundreds of stories yeah. like Jake though. Hundreds. Right. Yeah. Thousands ha- now, you know? Yeah. Ha- have you like gone that route besides helping DDP? Have you helped out other wrestlers that we may not know about? Um, You know, I mean, obviously I share a lot with people that call right. me or, or going through a hard time. Um, my, my main concern is students, not, not, not right. when I say concern, I mean, I'm, I'm just gifted that I'm around students, students. all the time, right? middle school through college age students. Yeah. And that has been, you know, Dallas's forte is, you know, helping uh, people with exercise, especially people that are getting older or going through right. um, hard times, you know, yeah. or my, mine is like a different venue than, than Dallas's, right. but it's both been so, they've both been very successful. Yeah. Now, like before signing on to WWE, obviously you met your wife, Rena, who became mm-hmm. Sable. How did you actually meet her and getting her involved? In well, I mean, we were married way before I ever went to WWE. Right. You know, um, we, I, I was um, wrestling with WCW and <laughs> kind of a funny story, but me and me and uh, uh, DDP and Mar- Marcus Buff Bagwell right. traveled together once in a while and especially me and DDP. And um, uh, we were, we used to play a silly game, give her your best line. Like if you saw a pretty girl, you go, right. oh, give her your best line, you know? Yeah. And we'd laugh it off when you say, hey, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. uh, love to, love to meet you. Love to yeah. you come to the show or whatever. And we just laugh about it. But anyways, so um, we were in line. It was a Quincy's restaurant. I'll never forget it. Cause they had like this. Um, it was like, you, you go through the, the line with a, a tray, you know, and you order right. and yeah. yeah. And then you get to the cashier and you pay for it. Well, we're almost at the cashier and this girl walks in with some of her friends and she's beautiful. And uh, DDP looks at me and goes, hey, bro, give her your best line. And then when you say that, you got to do it. So you got to come up with something. So it's always ripping each other on the road and having fun, you know? 
So I thought, what can I say this girl? And so I asked, I, I got a napkin. I wrote, do you like me? Yes or no? Circle one. You know, you do yeah, something like that in elementary right. school. It's so I told, the, I told the cashier, when that girl comes by, give her to her. And, and I'm sitting right over there and tell her it's from me. So um, her name is Rena. Yeah. When Rena comes by, the, the lady gives her the napkin and she just puts it on her train. She goes and sits down with her friends. And then she obviously read it and she didn't even respond like you know and, and those guys were bawling they're like right. laughing oh good line do you like me yes or no and we're just <laughs> laughing and all yeah. of a sudden um we're getting ready to leave and the waitress comes over to us she, she go, and and the waitress goes um that girl over there told me to give you this and it was the napkin yeah. and she wrote maybe and circled it <laughs> and uh and anyways, that night, so I went over their table and yeah. I, I got them all tickets to come to see us wrestle in Jacksonville that night. They all came and we hung out after and uh, the rest is history. We end up, you know, falling in love, getting married yeah. and um, uh, we're married for 10 years. Right. Yeah. And your past took you to the WWE. Uh, yeah. And then when I went to yeah. WWE, I, I part of my contract was bringing my wife with me. So right. I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone if I didn't get that stipulation in my contract because i just watched too many people get divorced being on the road and making stupid mistakes right. or decisions and things falling apart so yeah. i just didn't want to go through that you know so i thought if i bring my wife on the road with me you know we're together and we had experienced this amazing thing traveling the world going all over the place together right. how cool is that yeah absolutely absolutely so unfortunately you had to leave the johnny b bad character behind yeah and came up yeah. with the, I mean, the wild man uh, yeah, it was a little different. Um, I mean, when they, when I went and spoke with Creative, and they came up with this idea, Wild Man Mark Merrill. Yeah, ooh, it was like, um, what is a wild man? And I remember Vince saying in the meeting, "Goes, can you do like a, like a Tarzan yell, like, <laughs> oh, right?" And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I go. And first of all, I don't got a very strong voice. I cannot yell. It, it, yeah. it squeaks when I go too high, you know, and uh, very, very uh, raspy voice. So. Um, I said, Vince, I can't really yell very loud. And he goes, okay. So they bring in the drawings of this character, Wildman. It's like, what? And, and Johnny B. Bad was so outrageous. Yeah. And so, you know, opposite of me, it was fun to play. You know what right. I mean? It was just crazy. Yeah. You can't go, you can't go wrong. If you screw up a line, it's so what? Johnny B. Bad right. would screw it up, you know? Yeah. But Wildman Mark Merrill was like, I don't know. I just never connected with it. And, and when you don't connect with your character, the audience doesn't connect. Right. So right. I never felt comfortable being that character, Wild Man Mark Merrill. And, uh, you know, Vince had big hopes for me when I first came there. They wanted to put the world strap on me right away, you know. Oh. And um, uh, but uh, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And then uh, my ex became very, very popular and yeah. i mean walk in the ring with this beautiful girl and you got this silly character who, who are they gonna who's the audience gonna look at right you know? of course yeah now using your own name did that hurt you you think with that character um, i you know it's hard to say now i mean I, I it's weird how when as you look back on your career i mean this is 20 years ago right. you know it was funny that, that someone posted today it was my last match in wd was in 1998 and it was today oh, december wow. 6th in Capital Carnage in England was my okay. last match and someone posted it. So right. today was my last match. Was that 20, 23 years, years ago? ago? Yeah. You know, so you think about 23 years later, you know, did it affect me? Did it hurt me? 
man, I don't know. I, I look at all the paths I took and I, I'm in the best place of my life. Right. So yeah. whether it did or didn't, it didn't affect right. how I am right and, now. Right. No, that's great. Now, a couple of things in WWE they had during that time was the brawl for all. Mm-hmm. And I know like you being, what's it called? A former boxer and a Golden Gloves right. champion. That must have been right up your alley until the opponents you had just didn't work out for you. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, is, is in the brawl for all, I had two matches, yeah. two, two, two fights, and uh, I never got hit once. You know, I, right. I, I'm good at some, but the difference is when you're, I've had 14 surgeries. People don't even realize this. I've had five elbow surgeries, five wow. shoulder surgeries. I did not have that, the boxing like I was when I was a teenager. Right. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like I had this, this great background, but I mean, I, I could obviously slip punches. No one's going to really hit me or hurt yeah. me. Uh, but you know, you're, we're fighting guys that like, like, um, um, Steve Blackman, Steve Blackman yeah. is a wrestler, you know, yeah. and what do you yeah. do? You just kept taking me down. It was like, oh, okay. Take me down again. Take me down. Take me down. Yeah. You know? And then of course, uh, then I, then I fought, um, Bradshaw, um, right? Bradshaw. Yeah. And we, we actually fought to a draw. I don't know if you right. remember that match. Yeah. We had to go one more round, you know, yeah. and, uh, they gave him the decision and, uh, but you know, uh, Hey, I think we got paid like 5,000 more every match. Okay. So to go through that for an extra 10 grand, yeah, I'll do it again tomorrow. You know? right. <laughs> so were there any guys who like, they really wanted to be in it that just didn't want to do it? Oh my gosh. You know what? If you really look at the guys that entered and the guys who didn't, it will yeah. tell you a lot. Right. Vince called me on the phone and he said, Hey, here's an idea. We have, we're going to have this ball for all. And yeah. I said, I'm in. It was like, they're leaving a question, you know? Yeah. Because some guys don't have the balls to do that. They just don't, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but look at the guys that were in it and look at the guys that declined or were not in it. Yeah. Okay. And some of them are top superstars that just, they don't want to take a chance of getting their ass beat in front of the national TV yeah. audience right. in the world and, and, and ruin their career. Look how many careers that, that brawl for all ruined. Yeah. Bart Gunn, you who know? won the whole Including thing. the guy yeah. who won it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, right. you know, Billy Gunn. Yeah. Uh, not Billy Gunn. Um, uh, Bart uh, Gunn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here he is ready to be put on top of the world. And then what happened with him and Butterbean just killed the whole thing. Right. Now, if you won that tournament and then they approached you at Butterbean, would you accept that? Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Being a boxer, I'm a lot harder to hit. Like, you're not going to hit me clean like Butterbean hit Bart clean. Right. You know, I still had that, that good profile division and stuff, but I just yeah. didn't have the, 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 the strength of my arms or the punching power I yeah. once had, you know, um, and speed. But, uh, as far as, you know, moving away from getting hit with a solid punch, not, yeah. not to say I could be butterbean, but I mean, right. I, I don't think he would have knocked me out. Right. Yeah. Cause I think that whole match lasted like 15 seconds. Yeah. I, mean, I, I felt bad for Bart. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a great guy too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Now you had some great matches with Stone Cold. You're going yes. back to WCW yes. and then into WWE kind of, I guess you can say you started the whole Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Austin 316 <laughs> and that amazing match at the King of the Ring tournament. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we had some, uh, we had some fun matches. You know, there's three guys I probably wrestled more than anybody. And um, because we were in WCW and WWE together, like Stone Cold, right. uh, Triple H, and I, because of all the match we had in um, WCW, and then of course be on the road all the time in yeah. WWE wrestling each other, hundreds and hundreds of matches. Um, and then I think about the other guy is probably uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Okay, I mean, we 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 had more matches against each other, even though we were both in WCW yeah. together. He wasn't there when I was there in WWE, but uh, we were wrestling 
all the time. We'd go on major tours and wrestle each other every single night. So it was fun to do that because you get so used to wrestling the certain guy, you know, but uh, Stone Cold, I mean, when he was stunning Steve in, uh, in WCW, right. I don't know if you've ever seen our tuxedo match. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remind him of that. He's like, oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> a match where you got to rip off the other man's clothes, you yeah. know, that is not the Stone Cold character. No. I mean, because like when you battled him in the King of the Ring, that was kind of the infancy. I think he, he stunned you, which you sold that stole that stunner beautifully. But he didn't even do the kick to the stomach, which he ended up doing after that. But um, what was he like behind the scenes? Were you close with him or was it? No, you know, it's funny. Um, I did this podcast a couple of years ago. And, and right. um, man, it's like uh, it's almost like becoming his friend. You know what I mean? We were never close in yes. WCW or WWE. He was very, he's very, uh, uh, he kind of took by, by himself. He didn't have a lot of really close friends. He was very, right. uh, the, he, he was the, the the rattlesnake, the lone wolf, so to speak. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just the way he was. Not good or bad, doesn't matter, you know, but yeah. that's, but but he's a great guy. And now I, I, you know, I got total respect for my, I'll tell you the thing I, I learned from Steve when I took into becoming a speaker, the, the mistake I made as a wrestler. And the reason why I think he, he became one of the best, he would watch all the matches. Okay, yeah, like He was always at the that. curtain watching the matches. Right. And it was like, as soon as I got to leave the match, <laughs> I'm going to my hotel or getting on a plane or whatever. You know right. what I mean? And he would stay and watch every match. So when he wrestled you, he already knew all your moves. He knew how yeah. to put together the match. And I, I never realized that at the time, but as looking back on, on my career and his career, and I go, wow, he just, he could, he could wrestle anybody and put on a fairly good right. match yeah. or great match even, yeah. you know? So I, I just really commend him for that, that work ethic that he had. And once I realized the mistake I made as a wrestler, I didn't want to make the same mistake as a speaker. I wanted right. to be the best. I wanted to, I wanted to have my audiences give me a stand ovation at the end or yeah. have the place in tears or whatever it would be, you right. know? And um, so I worked at it and, and I learned, I watched my videos. I thought, how can I make this better? What story can I share in this place? You know, how will that touch their hearts? How that will change their life? And I learned, I watched other speakers and, um, and, and then I became, you know, one of the top, uh, you know, top high, top uh, school speaker in, yeah. in the country. Yeah. Now going to that, you know, so many times a year, you draw from that place does that like affect you emotionally? You have Still? to, you have to go yeah. back to the, like, for example, when I talk about my mom dying, I'm walking up the casket. I actually see the casket on stage. I mean, I, I, I visualize it. I go back into that place and, and oftentimes I've broken down in tears, but it, but yeah. it's so real when I do it, that the audience can feel that. And and I, I, I've spoken at some of the toughest schools. I've spoken at schools that got to go through metal detectors. And I've watched that whole place in, in, in tears or or kids just putting their head down or, you know what I mean? Just right. your pin drop. Yeah. And it's so powerful. And it's because it's real. You know, it's yeah. real life. Right. And you can't bullshit a kid. You know, they see it right through it. You know, they you see know, and, it, so. and I've gone to some schools where you just go, oh, my gosh, these kids are going to be brutal, you know? <laughs> Yeah. But at the end, it always have turned out good. Never had a, a bad experience other than, you know, uh, one school, there was a kid with Tourette's syndrome. They told me beforehand that he'd be in the, in the thing. Yeah. And 
he gave me more FUs during this presentation than I've ever had. Anybody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to your wrestling days, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I always wondered about, especially like, cause you were actually participating in a Royal rumble. So how does that, like, how do they, det- I, they'll know, like, obviously this will be the last guy who wins, who wins the thing, but how do they determine who gets eliminated when they get eliminated? Well, there's a big production meeting and you know that you've got to follow the guy that's going out before you, like, you know, the couple guys that are going out. So let's say, let's say I, I'm going out 14th, you know, right. and um, Billy Gunn's going out, uh, say 13. Uh, Jake Roberts is going yeah. out, uh, you know, 14 and the, or, or tw- 11, 12, and yeah. then 13, yeah. then me. So I'm, I'm, even though I'm beating on someone or someone's beating on me, I'm watching that guy that I'm supposed to go out after. So okay. I know, and then I usually know who's going to throw me out or like one, one Royal Rumble, Steve Austin hit the ring and he threw out like three or four of us. Yeah. So it was, no, this is when Steve hits a ring, you're being thrown out. So it right. if he comes over to you first or that guy, you know, yeah, you know, he's yeah. throwing you out. So when he right. says you're out, you're out, you know? Okay. Yeah. And that works obviously, you know, traditional battle Royal as well. When all like guys are in the ring, you know. Yes. You might get a couple guys, might not be this order, but you're getting, you know, Bart Gunn out, you're getting Billy out. Right, the, right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you still watch wrestling now? Um, not, well, you know, I, I can tell you, um, not not that often, but a lot of times I do um, um, DDPY with Dells, okay. and, and he's always has guys from AEW come down, you know, right. like, um, you know, a few months ago, he had Darby Allen there. Okay. I never seen Darby Allen wrestle before. Right. And we got to be talking friends and, and Dale's goes, bro, you got to see some of the crap this guy does, man. He shows me yeah. on, his, on his phone right. and, and he told me he was wrestling. So I go, I'm going to check it out, man. See yeah. the match. You know? So, and, and then um, uh, Jade was there a few weeks ago. So I got to see her. Yeah. And you know, when you meet somebody, it's different when you watch them on television right. because you kind of know them, you know? Yeah. So it's a little, a little more interesting and in seeing, uh, you know, how they're doing and progressing and so on. Yeah. Do you think having another like, or actually there's a few wrestling, you know, uh, companies now, especially with AEW. So I think that brings out the better competition. WWE kind of like what, you know, you guys had back in the nineties with WCW. Yes. I mean, the attitude era was the best time. You had the wars. It was a great time in wrestling. I mean, when you look around the dressing room, you know, back then and the stars that were there, it was like the, the who's who of professional wrestling. And it's so funny because they keep, like bringing these guys back in a sense to do promos yeah. or cameos right. or things. Yeah. That's how popular it was from 20 years ago. Right. And then the attitude error, basically anything goes pretty much or anything when I should say, was there anything yeah. that you guys just didn't want to do? That you- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you know what, Vince, you know, I saw, um, I was at uh, uh, Dale's had a, a Christmas party last night and um, Vince Russo's son was there. He works okay. for Dallas. Okay. And, uh, we were just sharing, and, and I, I always liked Vince Russo. I mean, I mean, he was our guy because we were always doing like I was the fall guy for Sable, you know. Yeah. And right. of course, wanted to be because you know we're married, and exactly it helps you backing out. up yeah. the Brinks truck to our house at the time. You know right. what I mean? So um, you know, I mean, the, the whole thing with the with the bikini contest, and and I, I painted my hands on her. You know? Yeah. <laughs> So there were some things that when you look back, you go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we did this this stuff, you know. Um, I don't recommend somebody doing it today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was she ever like, I'm sure, like, first starting, she was nervous, just like 
even getting into a wrestling, you know, ring, just wrestling, but how much like training did she have? Did you help her out? Who was oh, the man. main I like, mean, trainer? Think for about her? The, the moves that she did, the, the her yeah. crown off the top rope, the, the uh, TKO, those were all my moves. And right. I would work with her. We'd get to the arena a little early and work with her and, and they put her with, with girls that can really, were great workers, you yeah. know, um, you know, Jackie, um, oh gosh, um, Tori, um luna was amazing you know yeah they all just worked so hard to get her over and it worked i mean in a sense you know we we did we did the first you know match at wrestlemania intergender we're you know male and female tag team you know so um she she was a rock man she did really well she was she was very good under pressure and um god bless her man she did she did amazing yeah now, when you first started training, how many like moves did you actually try out before you landed on your repertoire? Because you were, you know, a high flyer. Like, how did you determine on which moves you were going to You know, I, I remember just when I, especially when I went over to Japan and saw that shooting star press first time, you know, and I thought, yeah. wow, I never seen anybody do it here in the United States, you know, or especially at WWE. I mean, yeah. Billy Kidman did one at, at WCW, but his was more like kind of like a, like flopping. It wasn't like a real high thing, yeah. you know? Um, so I wanted to do like, cause I used to do it as a kid on the diving board, you know? And then of course the, I'm the only one that's ever done the marrow salt. You know, you think about that where you, you hit the rope spin in midair and then do a backflip. Yeah. I used to do the diving board as a kid. So bringing these moves to the WWE for the yeah. first time was pretty cool. Yeah. Now, um, after you want like you've multiple t- uh, TV, you know, champion and intercontinental champion, when you won your first title, where'd you take it? after the match um i mean, I, I think you know bringing it home to my daughter was probably right. a cool thing where she was like wow it's a championship belt in her house yeah. so that was pretty cool but i gotta say the uh the thing i remember most about the something cool in wrestling was when they when the first my first action figure came out you know it was yeah. a, i don't know if you remember it was a johnny bad and, and, and the elbows right. were like this yeah <laughs> silly looking right and uh so i was at kmart and okay. they, had, they had they had all the wcb action figures and it was kmart and i went and filled up my shopping cart with did johnny be bad and, <laughs> and, the, and the lady goes oh you really like those dolls huh i go yeah they're action figures yeah exactly that's <laughs> you know? yeah that's funny yeah whose idea was it for the confetti cannon and eventually the frisbee that was all mine i just yeah. wanted something different you know right. you know what, what's what's really weird noel and, and and then this really goes to i hope young wrestlers hear this because it's really what helped my career there's nobody better to invest in than yourself agreed i went out and bought those frisbees had them made had a bad blaster made from this aerotechnic company yeah and then what i did was I would shoot out money on television, you know, fives and $10 bills. Right. And of course the kids are holding it up. So now every time I went to a house show, yeah. now I exchange it for <laughs> fake money that says with my picture on, it says Johnny be bad and Johnny, we trust <laughs> and <laughs> shoot it out. And there's, you know, people are diving for it. Right. It's real money, but it's just the, the, the confetti and the, and the, and the fake money. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, champion of choices, thinkpause.org. Um, where can people find you on social media? Where can they get in contact with you? Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, our YouTube channel is doing really well, man. Um, we get a lot of views on that, uh, which is, uh, uh, youtube.com and it's 
uh, the Mark Mero. And Mark is with a C M A R C M E R O. Uh, but you know, just type in my name on on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You'll you'll find me very easily. Um, I'm I'm I have that little blue check mark, so you know it's me. And um, I answer a lot of the mail too. I really do. I really enjoy that. That's awesome, Mark. I appreciate your time today. You're doing amazing work. Keep it up, and uh, thanks so much for your time. No, thank you, man. You take care of yourself. And a special thanks to Mark for joining me today. Check out the website, thinkpozpoz.org. Mark gave out all his social media stuff. I'll give it out again. Facebook, it's Mark Miro page. Instagram, Mark Miro, at Mark Miro on Twitter. But check out YouTube, the Mark Miro, where all the videos are, especially the mother's love. It's very powerful. Like I said, you won't have a dry eye after watching it. And I'm so happy that Mark got his life around and is doing so much good for high schoolers, middle schoolers, kids who really need it. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first all one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes and check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Just on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. Wherever you can find a podcast, a new episode comes out every week. Stay safe, everybody, and happy holidays.